0: If you work for Hallmark, keep listening. Susan Yates may have a suggestion for you here on a whole new line of party invitations.
1: But I would like to know, with a show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a party to celebrate the beginning of The Empty Nest? One, Ooh, two, three, four. Oh, yay! Good for you all. You may yeah. be on the cutting edge of a new movement in America. <laughs> We hope so, because we feel like this is a season not to be dreaded, but yeah. to be celebrated. And oh, how we need to celebrate in the seriousness of life today.
0: This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. Celebrating the empty nest may sound like a paradox, a contradiction in terms, but it's actually not. We'll talk about that today, stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You said it took a while before it dawned on you that the empty nest had finally arrived? Yeah. But I mean, you know. I mean,
2: it. I, w- I really had all these grand plans of how I thought we would.
3: Yes, he did.
2: <laughs> we'd disengage from being parents, we'd flip a switch in true male style. Uh huh. Uh-huh, he and, did. and we'd just be driving off into the sunset in a convertible, laughing and having fun. And And the switch didn't flip? Is that what you're saying? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) The switch may have ground its way to the other side, but it took a couple of years, Bob. And it's because parenting is so exhausting for a mom. And I think when you finally do say goodbye to the last child, it does take a while to recalibrate as a woman. And I think for a man, a husband, it takes a while for him to realize, you know what? I'm married to a very gifted, talented person here who really can make a difference in this world. Hmm. And you kind of have to, re I think, reassess who it is you married and how you can maximize her
0: life. But Barbara, let me ask you, and, and by the way, welcome back to Family Life Today. Thanks. If you could have flipped the switch— Do you think Dennis could have flipped the switch? Oh, yeah. So he he was ready. He didn't have the emotional processing moving into the emptiness that you did? Well, he
3: had more than I expected. I was kind of surprised because every once in a while he'd he'd walk through the house or walk around the backyard and go, gosh, I really miss those years with the kids. And it would surprise me because I didn't really expect him to feel those things that I was feeling. I knew I would, but I didn't expect him to.
2: I'd come home from work and the the car would be surrounded like it was being invaded by a group of... Yeah,
3: all those years our kids were home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
2: bandits. And all of a sudden you pull up in front of the house and... Sometimes there's,
3: nobody's there because I wasn't always
2: there. <laughs> there's
0: nothing happening. I, I didn't remember have to be
3: home. It I remember great. you
0: talking. You'd come into the office, and the way you described it was you said there's no tension against the muscle, this muscle you've been working oh, out with yeah. for 20-plus years. It's called a
2: daddy muscle. I mean, you, you've had to be a daddy. and I'm still a dad. I have adult children. But, uh, you know, you go home, and it's, you, you, you leave work, and you pull in front of the house, and you get ready for your second job. Being a husband and being a father. Well, all of a sudden, the father thing is is out of there. Mm -hmm. I mean, no tension against the muscle. You spent
0: the first part of the empty nest years together with your friend Susan Yates who is a pastor's wife lives mm-hmm. in the Washington DC area the two of you collaborated on a book called Barbara and Susan's guide to the empty nest and then you've had the opportunity in a number of settings to speak to women on this subject you were at uh, Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas a while back and spoke to a group of women and you outlined the key questions that women ask themselves during mm-hmm. the empty nest years. And already this week, we've heard you address two of those. Refresh us on what those were.
3: Yeah, the first two questions are, um, am I the only one who feels this way? The empty nest can be a very lonely time for women mm-hmm. because when you're raising your kids, you're at the park and you can talk to other moms who are in the same boat you're in. Or when they're teenagers, you're sitting in the bleachers at ballgames and you're surrounded by other moms who are in the same situation. But when you're in the empty nest, you kind of look around, you go, I wonder if she's an empty nester or not. And you have no way of knowing because your kids have given you clues as to who you are and what phase of life that you're in all of your life. And now you don't have those external clues and you're feeling things that you didn't expect to feel and maybe some of them that you did. But um, there's a real isolation factor in the empty nest. And so I think most women are asking the question am I the only one who feels this way?
2: And it's back to what Susan said at the beginning of the broadcast. There aren't celebration parties mm-hmm. announcing mm-hmm. to the world, I'm now transitioning into this new uh, this new calling and season of life.
3: Exactly. And then the second question is, what's happening to my relationships? Because as Dennis was saying a minute ago, uh, you kind of look at each other and, and the kids are not there and you think, okay, who are you and who am I? And What's our relationship like? And you realize that you need to perhaps do some renegotiating and recalibrating in your relationship. And then your kids want to be treated differently because they see themselves as adults and independent. And you've got to figure out how to relate to adult kids. And you've never done that before. So there is a lot going on that affects the important relationships in your life. So the second question women ask is what's happening to my relationships?
0: Well, we're going to pick up with part two of your message uh, with Susan Yates as she introduces the third question women ask during the empty nest years.
1: Who have I become? Now, as we all know, the empty nest is a major transition, and transitions are just plain awkward. We don't like them. And the reality is that we, whatever season of life we're in, expect stability to be the norm. But in fact, transition is more the norm in daily life. Just look back at the transitions we've already experienced. Leaving home, marriage, a first baby, a new job, a new boss in an old job, financial loss, moves, illnesses, a crisis with a child, a national or international crisis. With each one of these transitions, we keep waiting for life to calm down. (laughs) But the reality is life never calms down. It just gets more complicated. We long for a period of predictability and stability. We think that that's the way life should be, predictable and stable and calm. It even seems to be for some of our friends. But the reality is it's not. It's not. Most of life will be lived in the context of transition. Stability is very, very rare. It's a brief interlude. Transition is much more where we live day in and day out. So one of the things that is helpful is learning to adjust our expectations. I have a, my sister is very wise and Often when we look at other women, as you perhaps have done in this room this morning, you see another woman, and she looks so perfectly put together. And you just sit there and imagine her life is all together. Her marriage is great. Her kids are great. She's in stability and calm. And my sister says, there's always data missing. <laughs> you don't know. That's um, It's helpful to remember that. We are all much more alike than we give the perception of being. The empty nest is messy, and sometimes in order to figure out who we are and what we're to do in this season, we need to take a break. It's really important to take a break. And in all honesty, Barbara was much better at taking a break than I was, and I want her to tell you about that. Well, part of the
3: reason I took a break is because I was sort of forced to. Um, Because we get I began the empty nest in a very emotionally depleted state I knew I just couldn't jump into the next thing I didn't have the energy to jump into the next thing that Susan did and I realized I needed some time off and So what I did is I just sort of pulled back from things. I said no to uh, a lot of things I didn't join things. I, I stepped back my involvement to give myself some time to recover frankly But as I did that in that season, I did this during my daughter's freshman year in college, as I did that, I discovered that I needed that break um, as an empty nester as much for my entrance into the empty nest as I did to recover from uh, the trials and the struggles that we had been through with our daughter. I discovered that I needed time to reevaluate my life. I needed time to look objectively at who I had become Over the last 28 years, I was a different person than, in many ways than the one who uh, I was when I got married. I needed time to think. I just needed time for a pause in the pace of my life. And I think other women do too. I think all of us need a break. All of us need a pause after the intense years of parenting that are so 24-7 year after year after year. So Susan and I want to give you permission, especially those of you, all of you who raised your hand, who aren't quite there yet, we want to give you permission to take a break that first year after your youngest leaves. Don't feel like you have to jump into the next activity. Don't feel like you have to sign up, now that I'm free I can do a hundred things that I've been wanting to do. You may want to do that, but it would be wise if you took a break. It could be as short as a weekend away where you retreat by yourself, and do some thinking and evaluating. You may want to take a couple weeks off. You may want to take a couple months off, or maybe a whole semester, and not do anything. And pull back and evaluate your life and think about, what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? As you do that, think about a couple two things in particular. And we have other things for you to think about in our book. But two in particular are, look back over your life and say, what am I thankful for? And begin to make a list of the things that you're thankful for, the things that God has done, all of the good things. It's so easy to focus on the bad things and the losses. But what are those good things that I can be thankful for? And then secondly, you might want to evaluate what are the issues, what are the relationships, what are the needs that I have avoided because I've been so busy? What are the gaps in my marriage? What are the gaps in my other relationships? What are things in my life that I have sort of swept aside because I've been so busy raising kids that I dare not ignore anymore, that now that I have the time I can focus on these issues in my life. And it would also be a good time to spend time with your husband just thinking ahead. What do we want to do with the rest of our lives? What do we want the rest of our lives to look like? Um, As Dennis and I have talked about this, we've made some promises to each other, and a couple of them are. um, One is we have promised each other we are not going to become gripey, cynical, people <laughs> and we're already seeing how easy that would be to become that way because things are starting to fall apart and we don't like the way we feel some days and you know we're creaky and it would be real easy to gripe about that so we've we've committed to one another that we're not going to do that secondly we've promised that we're going to do everything we can to stay healthy and then the third thing that we have decided together as a couple is that we intend to use our lives for God's purposes for as long as he gives us breath. We want to be engaged in kingdom activities. None of us knows how long we have left. We may only have a couple of years. We may have 10 years. But I want my life, and Dennis wants his life, and I know John and Susan feel the same way. We want our lives to be maximized for the kingdom of God
1: for the years that we have left. Another thing that we've realized is that an important element in transitioning from our past purpose of parenting to our next purpose in life is simply the importance of taking some time to celebrate. Mm -hmm. You know, we women are really good at celebrating the milestones of life. The big ones, the little ones. We have baby showers. We have our our first child's lost tooth or our grandchild loses a tooth. You know, it's a big deal. The first day of school, the last day of school, graduation, wedding showers. But I would like to know, with a show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a party to celebrate the beginning of the empty nest? One, two, three, four. Oh, yay! Good for you all. You may be on the cutting edge of a new movement in America. (laughs) We hope so, because we feel like this is a season not to be dreaded but to be celebrated. And oh, how we need to celebrate in the seriousness of life today. When Barbara and I were working on this project, we asked three gals who are friends of ours who we call the party girls who live in Pennsylvania, if they would design three different parties that you could throw to celebrate the empty nest. And so we have that in chapter 10 of our book, complete with invitations. (laughs) Yeah. So as we look for help and hope in answering the question who have I become there are two things that Barbara and I both are trying to do on a continual basis we want to become reflective about our lives become reflective counting again much like making a list for what you're thankful for ways that you have seen God be faithful in the past because that gives us a bank to draw from as we look to the future and we want to become joyful as we consider the future. So it's really becoming reflective that leads us and enables us to become joyful. So far we've looked at three questions. Does anyone feel this way? What is happening to my relationships? And who have I become? But we have a final question. And the fourth question
3: is, what is my new purpose? One of the benefits of the empty nest is the nature of its transition it is a turning point in all of our lives as women sometimes it's uncomfortable but nonetheless it's a it's, can be a season that's full of benefits and full of opportunities because we can pull back and we can say why am i here and in our generation we are healthier we have greater resources and we will probably live longer than previous generations of women so it's a wonderful opportunity for us in this in the season of life to look forward to the empty nest so because we have so many years left because therefore we can evaluate what am I good at and
1: what is my purpose and what does God want me to live for both of us have asked these questions many times and one of the most pivotal times for both Barbara and me was during our 20s when we were in college and we began to ask spiritual questions now I had had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home in the south And I had always assumed that being a Christian was synonymous with being good. I can't remember a time when I wasn't in church. It was just the value of my family. But I went merrily along my way, trying to be a little more good than bad, so that when I died, I might get to go to heaven. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that a friend asked me a question. He said, Susan, are you a Christian? And I said, well, I think I am. I hope I am. I thought I was, and he said a very interesting thing to me. He said, Susan, God doesn't want you to think you are or hope you are. He wants you to know with absolute certainty that he is in your life. And he shared with me that God loved me and had a plan for my life. But because of my own sinful, selfish nature, I couldn't know or experience that plan for my life on my own ability to be good my sin was too great. My friend said, Susan, there are really only two ways to get to heaven. One is to live a perfectly sinless life, and the other is to accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice for your sins. That's what he did on the cross. So you're out of luck if you're trying to be good. (laughs) He said, Jesus Christ is the answer. Now, this was not entirely new for me. I had heard this growing up in the South in the church, but it was the next question that really pierced my heart. He said, Susan, have you ever personally invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your personal Savior? He shared with me a verse from Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It's a picture of Jesus standing at the door of our hearts. It's from Revelation 3.20. And it says, Behold or look, I stand at the door, meaning the door of your heart, and I knock. And if any man hear that voice and open the door, I will come in to him and fellowship with him, and he with me. And as my friend asked me if I'd ever asked Christ into my life, I realized that I had not. I realized that what I had been doing was living on an inherited faith, a cultural faith. I had adopted the faith of my family, the faith of my culture, but I had never yet come to the place of personal ownership and that's why I lacked assurance. That's why I was only hoping and did not have the confidence to say, I know. And so I remember my friend said to me, Susan, would you simply like to pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive your sins? And I did. I felt a little awkward. I thought, boy, this is a little weird and he's good looking. But. And it wasn't my husband. But um, I knew that he had what I wanted. And so for me, it wasn't an emotional experience. It is for many people. But that's the beauty of God, is that he meets each of us in our own uniqueness. For some, it's emotional. For me, it was a step of faith, moving from an inherited faith to a personal faith and owning that faith myself. And as I've grown over the years, it, you know, I've realized over and over again, our own children have to come to that as well to take that step. It's not merely uninherited faith, and so will our grandchildren. One of the things that Barbara and I have discovered as we've talked to other women is how many women now in the season of the empty nest are asking spiritual questions. Mm-hmm. So it is a wonderful season to make sure that you yourself and your friends and your neighbors have made a personal decision to have Christ come into your life because it's a gift. It's a free gift. It's nothing we can earn. There have been many times of recommitment for both Barbara and me over the years. We've had many questions along the way, many doubts. There have been uncomfortable times. There have been hard times. But spiritual growth is much like physical growth. They're growth spurts, and they're really awkward, hard times. But the fact is that we're still growing. So we want to encourage women in this season of having a little bit of a break to take some time to be reflective about their own spiritual journey. So no matter where you are in your own
3: spiritual journey, we really feel like this season is as pivotal for us as it was in our twenties. The empty nest season is a great time to reevaluate your life and to reevaluate your spiritual uh, relationship with God at the same time. There's a verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verse 10 that says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, And as long as we are on this earth, God has a plan for us and he wants to be working in our lives. And so you can apply that to your life and say God has a plan for me each and every one of you God has a specific plan for you for how he wants to use you for the rest of your life and so as you transition into the empty nest or as you're adjusting in your early years of the empty nest take some time to think what am I good at evaluate your life and perhaps even take some self-assessment test to evaluate your strengths and your weaknesses and and to evaluate where you can plug in that would make the biggest difference uh, for eternity we talk about a number of these in our book we have quite a few listed in our book as ideas but there are more there are lots more than what we listed in our book Um, and they're they're really worth taking i've taken quite a few of them through the years for different reasons and have done some uh, since i entered the empty nest in fact the other night not too long ago was we went to bed My husband said to me Oh, I've just heard about this great new test I want you to take. And I thought, I think I've taken enough tests. (laughs) And I just laughed
1: and said, no more. (laughs) What's really funny about this is that I haven't taken a single test. (laughs) So I did the whole chapter on testing because I've done them all. Yeah, she's done them all. You know, the reality is it just never occurred to me or to Johnny that I should take some tests. (laughs) Um, We just raced headlong into the empty nest. But Barbara, because of, of her situation with her daughter, was forced to take a break. Now, I wish that I had taken a break. Because I have to tell you that I have experienced in subsequent years some burnout. Because I didn't. And last year, I really felt that I was on the edge of collapse because I had not taken some time simply to be quiet, to listen to the Lord, to assess. And so I've been on a journey the last couple of years of discovering a new rhythm, of again asking questions that Barbara has already asked. Okay, where are my gifts most productive in this season of life when I can't multitask on 10 levels like I could as a young mom? God, where do you want me to focus? Because I need to narrow that focus. So for me now, it's never too late. I say this to tell you, it's never too late to take some time to assess, okay, what does the next year look like or the next two years look like? We need to be continually going through this kind of assessment. Ask questions that will help. Questions like, what are my passions? What story has God written into my life? What are my unique gifts and strengths? Ask your husband, ask your children, what do you see my gifts to be? Ask your colleagues, ask your girlfriends, and just make a list of how they perceive your gifts. What do you love to do? What energizes you like nothing else? Who are the people you love being around? Is it children? Is it teenagers? Is it young marrieds? Is it your peers? Is it the elderly? What people group has God given you a passion for? And here's a great fun question. What need would you most like to fill or meet if you knew you wouldn't fail? That's a fun question to discuss with some girlfriends.
3: Our task as women in this season is to diligently be discovering what that purpose is. God's not going to show me what His purpose is for your life. He's only going to show me what He's calling me to do. And that's the really exciting thing, is that we can, we can partner with God in discovering what He has for you. And he, what He has for you is unique to you and specific for you. And what He has for me is unique, uniquely designed for me. And it's a wonderful adventure. And that's the great privilege of the empty nest season, is discovering what God has for us and getting involved in what He has created us to do. He wants to use you where you are. He wants to use you with the people He's putting you in touch with. Um, with the gifts that he has given you. It's a combination of all of those things in our lives. We can live the rest of our lives as emptiness women wisely if we know our gifts and we know ourselves well and we're hearing God speak to us and we're doing what he leads us to do. Your next adventure may be very simple. It may be mentoring one person or it may be a much grander scale. God may have for you that he wants you to start a ministry and lead hundreds of women in doing something uh, in Whatever it might be. So what God has for you is what you need to discover and be busy about uh, Living your life for
1: I want to just profile for you quickly three women whose stories we tell in our book and how God has led Them on their next mm-hmm. journey. We have a friend named Anne, and when Anne found herself in a not so empty nest Because her boys left and then proceeded one by one three of them to bounce back <laughs> But she continued to pursue her next adventure and with a new friend, she has developed a passion to raise public awareness to help bring about an end to slave trafficking. Recently, they sponsored a large conference in Washington, D.C., where they are training college students and equipping them to bring an end to this horrific problem that is not only worldwide, but is very, very prevalent in the United States. My friend Julia is a single parent, a long single parent. And Julia has faced unique challenges as she's raised her kids alone while working full-time. As her youngest child prepared to leave home, she was contemplating a new career. And throughout various careers, she's always been intentional in growing in her faith and in mentoring young adults. She's been a real model to me and to many other people. And Julia says this. She says, there have been so many times in the past that I have panicked about what would happen to me and the children. But when I take time to look back, to reflect, I see God's faithfulness to me, and it gives me confidence for the future. And then there's our friend Elaine. Elaine and her husband, Bob, have always had a passion for internationals. Bob practiced law and served on the governor's staff, and Elaine was involved in inner city and education. After launching their last child, off to college, they began to explore a significant life change. After extensive personal testing and research, they both left their jobs, sold their home, left their security, and moved to Asia to help equip all the young pastors that are starting churches throughout Asia. These are three different women, three distinct stories. And you may be wondering yourselves, okay, what can I do? What could I do to make a difference?
3: Well, this is the really exciting part of the emptiness journey because God does have a fresh purpose for each of our lives that He wants us to discover and then fulfill. And we've learned that it can change from year to year. What God has you doing this year may change next year, and then it may change again. But we need to be listening to Him and hearing where He leads and following Him but we do know that what will not change no matter what our circumstances are is that God wants us to be involved in relating to people and changing people's lives for eternity even though we're living in very uncertain times um, right now in the midst of this economic downturn God still is in control and he still has a plan for us and he still has things that he wants us to do in this new season of our lives this really could be the most exciting time of your life. There are approximately 40 million baby boomer women today, which is an enormous number. And most of us are either in or quickly approaching the empty nest season of their lives. And I believe, Susan and I really believe, that we women can be a formidable army for the Kingdom of God. If we're listening to His voice and discovering the purposes that He has for us in the empty nest, We ran across across a story um, that we wanted to tell you about a woman who did just this with her life. During the years of World War II, there were millions of women in the United States and Great Britain who gave their time and their energy to help support the war effort through lots of different things. But one such woman was a woman named Ray Ray Wilson. And Ray lived in the town of North Platte, Nebraska, which was only the population of 12,000 people. And it was way out in the middle of nowhere. But the interesting thing about Platte, Nebraska, was that there was a train that came through there, and every day the train came through and was bringing soldiers on their way to training bases on the West Coast. So, Ray decided that she wanted to meet the trains and encourage these young men. And so she and some friends decided to bake cookies and meet the trains that came through her city. So they did that. And after the first one came through, they decided to do it again and then again. And over the next four and a half years, she organized and recruited other women to participate in this. And the number grew to 55,000 women from surrounding communities. And they met every train that came through North Platte, Nebraska in four and a half years, sometimes up to 33 trains a day. Day and night, these women would meet these trains. And what's interesting to me is that everyone in those days was on food rations, it kind of reminds me of the fishes and the loaves story, You know that these women were continuing to bake and to cook day after day after day to meet these trains. One woman said her job was to bake 10 angel food cakes a week for four and a half years. I bet she got really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> or really tired of it. I really tired of it. I'm really tired of it. <laughs> but over those four and a half years, six million men came through the town of North Platte, Nebraska. And these young men were far away from home, They'd been eating nothing but K-rations. They'd been on the train for a couple of days. They hadn't had showers, but every one of those trains was allowed to stop in North Platte, Nebraska, for 10 minutes. They jumped off the train. They went to this hall. They were fed. They were welcomed by people that they didn't know and would never see again. And many soldiers said afterward they felt a touch of home, and it relieved their fears about where they were going in their lives because of what these women did. Jesus said... This, He said, as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. None of us lives in a town anymore that has a train passing through with soldiers every day, day after day, for which we could meet them and organize some kind of relief effort. The battle in our day feels more distant, doesn't it? And yet there are people groups just like those soldiers in every town, in every county, in every neighborhood around the country, for whom someone needs to organize a rescue effort, a relief effort. It could be orphans, it could be foster care children, it could be the slave trafficking problem, Uh, it could be just moms who are so lonely and desperate because they're overwhelmed with the needs of their kids and they need older women like you to organize something for them, to help them in the battle of raising their children. The needs are endless and we women can do this. We women can meet the needs of these people groups that are around
1: us in our neighborhoods and in our towns likely some of you are feeling like okay this sounds great but i have no clue where to begin i feel like i'm floundering i'm just putting one foot in step of another well let me tell you that you have two gifts already every single one of you you have practical mothering skills that you have had and practiced for years and years and years. You have a heart for children and you have a heart for other mothers because you've been where they are. Mm -hmm. So two things that you can consider right as a baseline for where you go from here are how can I help and encourage other mothers through my church, through my neighborhood, through my community? How can I care for others' children? Let me give you just a little snapshot of some three friends that we have that started something quite by accident. They live in a small town in Pennsylvania and they walk every morning. They do the big walk up the hill and then their reward for their exercise, they're all empty nesters, is to meet at Starbucks. And So they do the hill walk and then they meet at Starbucks. And One morning they were at Starbucks, which is sort of the center of town. They were sitting at a table and they had their lattes, and they noticed a young mom in tears standing in line to get her coffee. And my friend Sue said to her, she didn't really know her, but she said, Hey, come sit with us. You look like you need a hug. And so this young mother went over and sat with my three emptiness friends. And she began to pour out her heart about a situation she had with one of her children. It was a pre-teenager, and she was in the throes of desperation. Now, my three wise, empty nest friends had been through so much of what she was going through. They could identify with her feelings. They themselves had been through different issues. And they were able to listen to her, to comfort her, and yet also to give her some very practical advice, simply because they had experience and wisdom. As my friends sat there and visited after a little while the young mom got up and as she left she turned to them and said oh thank you so much this has so encouraged me and my friend Sue said well it's just free advice you can take it or leave it and in that moment was born the take it or leave it club (laughs) and Sue and Sally and Jackie began to set up a regular table at Starbucks (laughs) after their morning walks. And word spread through this community that this was a table where hassled young moms could go and sit and be comforted by older moms. The idea spread to Michigan. A couple summers ago, I was in Michigan and some women in Michigan heard this story and they said to another empty nester would you open your back porch one afternoon a week this summer where we could come and have a take it or leave it club and you older moms could simply (laughs) encourage us so I share that because it's such a simple little story God wants us to be what I call fat women faithful available and teachable (laughs) it's a great an acronym, isn't it yeah so because we know
3: you women have um, these nurturing skills and mothering skills we want to challenge you with this take it or leave it club idea to encourage young moms but we want to give you another challenge that's sort of the other side of the coin as a way that you might want to care for children or be involved in providing relief for children um, almost every county in this country has a foster care system and almost every one of those foster care systems is broken and they're all in need of great help Um, they're always stretched thin, they don't have enough resources, they don't have enough people to help. Hundreds and thousands of children are taken out of their homes every year and put in the foster care system and these kids are like the soldiers on the trains. They don't know why they're there. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what their future holds. They're scared. And they need people who will love on them. And the foster care system is is just in real trouble in our nation. And we as Christian women can step in and provide great help uh, for these children and for the workers who who are trying their best uh, to make a system that's flawed work for the benefit of these kids. I did some quick research um, before coming, and in Texas, there are 30,000 kids in foster care. 30,000 kids. And 5,000 of those kids are waiting to be adopted. Now, you're in the empty nest, and you may be thinking, I'm not adopting kids. (laughs) I've already done that. (laughs) Been there and done that with raising the kids. But some of you have such a heart for children that you would love to be around children. And there is a great need for foster homes and it might be a way that you could still be involved with kids where you could have foster kids come to your home or babies. One of the hardest foster homes to find is for um, those who will take infant children. Well, Some of you love babies. Some of you love children and you could provide a home or maybe God wants to use you to recruit other families who can do this or get involved in just helping the system work better. But we as Christians need to be involved in helping the helpless, in helping these children who don't have families. We in our generation need to unite in living second season lives of great purpose. We don't want to settle for mediocrity. The Time is too short, why do that? God has great purposes for our lives and we want to challenge you to discover those and not settle for mediocrity, but live for the kingdom of God.
0: Well, we've been listening again today, part two of a message from uh, Barbara Rainey and Susan Yates on living life in the empty nest, getting ready for it, and then being there. You and uh, Susan and her husband, John, and your husband, Dennis, just spent some time together. Mm -hmm. Uh, The four of you got away and, uh, and did a little vacationing together.
3: We did. We had a great time.
0: Did you talk about your empty nest adjustments at all?
3: I don't think we talked about our adjustments because I think all four of us are far enough past that, but we we did talk about our lives and what we're looking forward to in the future and the plans that we all want to do and we We had great conversations about the future and and where we went ahead.
0: Those kinds of relationships, especially in the empty nest years, are vital, aren't they?
3: yeah, I think they're really important because I think the danger in the empty nest years is to become isolated because our relationships revolved around our kids. And those families and those parents, and I think it 's important in the emptiness that we become intentional in developing couple friendships and woman to woman friendships and man to man friendships that are that are not tied to our children. Um, we need that for the long haul
2: and and usually it 's our friends that mirror back to us uh, answers to questions we 're asking as we transition into this season of life and in the back of uh, one of the chapters, I think it's chapter nine on take a break and kind of evaluate your life. Um, Barbara and Susan have a number of questions in here. And and I do think these questions are best answered by your spouse and some of the friends who know you the best. But just a few of those questions are, uh, where have I found my identity in the past? Who have I become as I have raised my children? I think that's an interesting question. What have been the longings of my heart since childhood? When have I felt most alive and significant in the past? Why do I do the things that I do? What really motivates me? What are my dreams? What are my visions for life? And I can say, Bob, as a result of spending hours with Barbara and with friends, and I've enjoyed every hour. (laughs) I saw you over there grinning. I've enjoyed every hour but i've been amazed at at the energy that i have seen come back to her life i mean that That's true. she she's renewed she has a renewed uh mission vision initiative and and all kinds of energy for things she didn't used to have and uh it really can be a satisfying time and i know there's some of the moms who are listening to us right now or maybe a dad or two in the early stages of your family you're you're listening to us and You're saying, this is going to be a long way off. Well, you know what? It happens in a blink. Mm -hmm. And you need to prepare, get ready, and you need to do it right. Well,
0: and to have these questions that you've put here at the end of each of the chapters of your book uh, gives a, a reader an opportunity to really ponder through some of the same things you pondered through as a mom who was new to the empty nest season of life and weren't sure exactly which direction to go. To be able to think through these questions and be prepared for it, or if you're in the middle of it, to be able to find some help and some counsel to navigate your way through it, I think it's going to be extremely helpful for many of our listeners. Again, we have the book, Barbara and Susan's Guide to the Empty Nest, in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can go online to familylifetoday.com to request your copy of the book. Order it from us online, again, at familylifetoday.com, or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to order, one 800 358 6329. That's 1 800 F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, do you know um, Brian and Candace DeKreif? Uh The DeCryfes live in Prattville, Alabama. They listen to WLBF. That's where they hear Family Life Today. They've been to the Weekend to Remember a couple of times. They help support the Ministry of Family Life Today. And today, August 2nd, they are celebrating their 20th wedding anniversary. It was 20 years ago. In fact, it was right when they were getting married and the year after they got married. That's when they went to the Weekend to Remember. So I am here to suggest to the Decryfs it's time for your 20-year tune-up. You need to get back to a Weekend to Remember and get your, uh, get your tune-up done, Okay. Happy anniversary as you guys celebrate today. We think anniversaries are important to celebrate. They're a big deal. And we've been helping couples celebrate anniversaries for decades. In fact, last week we celebrated our 40th anniversary as a ministry. And we're spending this year focusing on how important anniversaries are. And I just want to say thank you to those of you who have partnered with us to make the ministry of family life possible over the last four decades If you're able to help with a gift today, we'd like to say thank you, if your gift is over $100, by sending you a set of three study guides created for the Art of Marriage Connect series. These are three separate study guides designed to help you as a couple or to help you and your small group go through significant themes related to keeping your marriage healthy and strong. It's our gift to you when you go online at familylifetoday.com and make a donation or when you call 1-800-FL-TODAY to make your donation or when you mail your donation to us at Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. Our zip code is 72223. And let me just say thanks in advance for uh, whatever support you're able to provide for this ministry. Now, tomorrow, we want to talk about the years that precede the empty nest. It's the years when you got teenagers around the house, and those can be challenging years as well. We'll talk about how important respect is in the home when you're parenting teenagers. Hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team, on behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today, hope for tomorrow.